1: And now he brings you even closer to the movers and shakers in the world of high echelon tournament water skiing from the founder and creator of the water ski broadcasting company comes the TWBC podcast and now here's your host Tony Lightfoot.
0: All right, greetings, one and all, to every single one of you out there. This is uh, Tony Lightfoot, and this is the TWBC podcast uh, coming to you from Hilltop Lake, over in Arlington, just outside the state of Washington. I have a special guest uh, here, a uh, rep in for uh, for Syndicate at the Syndicate uh, uh, Pro Am uh, tournament at Hilltop. It is none other than Asher. How are you doing today, sir?
2: Good, Tony. Thanks for having me this morning.
0: All right, so uh the syndicate brand you've been on uh you've been on since since it really formed really as an offshoot to to, uh, to ho in the uh, the early part of uh, the 2000s i mean put that in perspective
2: yeah it's been a it's been a really fun ride so far i've been fortunate to be with the same company for quite a few years now and i get to see you know um it develop into things that have been really exciting not just at, you know the high-end syndicate level but then also the grassroots level um Trying to grow the sport from the bottom and increase the top, which is pretty unique in our, in our industry.
0: Excellent. So uh, you you base yourself out in Central Florida. You've been known to uh, to go on out to uh, to Jackson and, uh, tr- and train with with J T and a whole bunch of others on Team Syndicate. And then you and then you come up from those relatively warm climbs to something like this, where the temperature drops uh, significantly. I mean, how much of an adjustment uh, is that to make, considering where you originally ploughed your trade?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's hard when you come from Florida and the water's literally 100 degrees, and then you come here and the water's... I mean, still, it's actually pretty reasonable here. It's maybe in the mid-70s, 80 degrees. So it's, But it just takes... It's more of a sensation, feel, difference. I think even the, the feeling of the wind on your body when it's 65 versus 100 is... You know, it's all a factor. You're using all your senses all the time, whether you know it or not. So it's just those things. You know, get to come here, have a couple of practice sets, just get used to those feelings, and then readjust the senses from there.
0: And I mean, a lot of people have identified your technique and your particular style of skiing as one of the ones that they'd want that they'd want to emulate. Uh, I mean, I've known you for quite a while. I mean, I mean, this goes back into the to the late eighties. Well, maybe not so much late eighties, part of the early nineties. You know, late nineties, that type of deal where you were skiing more in overall that type that type of deal and uh, skiing out of uh, out of where where let where let's just let's just be honest, you your your involvement in tournament water skiing was more of more fun based than anything else i mean i mean we're in we're you're in the stage of the career now where 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 it is where it is kind of you know serious you know where 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 things are are, are taken quite deliberately but give us a sense of of how you evolved from what you what you were as a skier in the 90s to where you are now
2: yeah i think the hard part of trying to be good at something is that sometimes it drains the fun out of it so it becomes a job. It becomes serious. It becomes you know you got to do A, B, and C to get the result. Um, as a kid, you're just out there having fun, and that's you know normally when you make the biggest progress is when you're out there having fun. So, um, you know, I'd say probably five, six years ago it was a pretty dark time. It was pretty stressful. It wasn't going very well. I was you know I was on the I'd always call it the win-lose roller coaster. So everything revolved around what happened on Sunday, and if it didn't go well, I'd be on the downslope. If it went well, I'd be on the upslope but I mean it became pretty evident um you know my wife helped me with that Nicole she's like you know when you ski great it's fine you know you're good but then if it doesn't go your way you can you know life's not easy for you so it I'd say over the last several years it's been I've kind of taken myself off the win-lose roller coaster what happens on the weekend is a result of and I I really enjoy the process and in, in enjoying the process it kind of takes me back to when I was a kid and. I didn't I didn't give a crap what happened on the weekend. You know, mm-hmm. it's just you train hard, you do your stuff, you have fun, you ski with good people, you surround yourself with good people, you know, family life, relationships with friends, all that stuff, then the skiing's gonna be there. So for now, where I'm at it's the weekend has been more consistent because my training and life has been more fun.
0: Good, good. Now, uh, going along the same, coming going along the same lines. I mean, you've, I mean, you've got, you've had tournament victories in a number of different venues and different countries, that kind of thing. I mean, it's basically hard, hard to think back at a at a, potent, at a at a tournament that you haven't really won during the course of your career. I mean, we're talking like Mooma Masters and. And and other events that are held on a regular basis, the mat, the masters uh, over in Callaway Gardens, and and that type of deal. Yeah. So, I mean, you said you, that you were in a pretty dark place a few years ago in 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 regards in in regards to your to your skin. So, it's it's not. It, would you agree? It's not so much about how you train yourself technically anymore, but it's just basically getting more out of the event from a psychology perspective how, how you feel more than
2: yeah yeah so um I mean once you've I checked my whole list like I, I achieved everything I wanted to achieve and then at a certain point you know you just keep doing it you keep doing it. it's like what do you want from me how much do you want you know how, how many times do I have to win this to make me happy and it's like you'd win it and it's like yeah it's, you're happy for like an hour you know you'd have a beer celebrate high five and then after that it's like it's very empty you know, it's, it's a great achievement. It's great fun. It's, it kind of, um, it, it, it's a way of celebrating the work you put in, but then at the end of the day, it's, it feels pretty empty. So for me, it's like, I need something that's last longer. So my day to day in the process, day in, day out is way more enjoyable than having to rely on a good result on the weekend for me to potentially be happy. Mm. So it just just yeah, like you say, it's a very, it's a much for me, it's a much healthier place. Um, I see it with a lot of other people. I know, um, know, listened to some podcasts with some of the top athletes, like Johnny Wilkinson from English rugby. Yeah, I know Johnny. He did he did a really good podcast with um, uh, I can't is an English group of guys that do a podcast, like performance podcast or something. He was okay. talking, he was talking about the same stuff. So he, you know, he was depressed. He, you know, went through a dark time and. You know he's the, one of the most winningest rugby players of all time. But yeah, he was. It,
0: he captained England to the to the World Cup.
2: Yeah, he's a legend, right? But then at the end of the day, no one knows. But he has these. You know, he's not happy inside because at a certain point, the the, the idea of doing it when I was a kid was awesome, and it was there, and I did it. But then once you've done it once or twice or three times or four times or five times, it's it's like different. You know, like you're you're almost progressed out of that being exciting because it's not new, it's not fresh, and I don't want st- to sit here and sound unappreciative or like try and um say other people that are skiing that's not a really great thing or a thing to strive for but it's personally it wasn't healthy to then always chase that right so it's it's just about you know stuff's happening in the sport and then it's it's like i want to have a happy life yeah so for me that that wasn't a happy way of going about life.
0: You know, I mean, I mean, that kind of smacks to me being that you were and competing to to achieve things to meet the expectations of other people, what they had for you, rather than trying to g- gleam enjoyment out of this experience purely, purely, purely for yourself. Well, and that that that's where the kind of the selfishness comes into play a little bit in 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 most in most people's eyes. I, I would feel
2: maybe, but then. I don't. I've never had anyone. My my parents have always been great. My family, my wife. You know, everyone has. I've never put that pressure on me. Like you've got to win. It's always been from me putting the pressure on myself. Like I had that expectation of myself of going out there on the weekend. You got to win. You got to do this, and then you'll be happy, and life will be good. Um, but it's it's not, it's not a great place to be. It's it's not that much fun. But then now. On a day to day, I'm a much happier guy, and I really. I've fallen back in love with the sport because I've I've found other measures of performance besides if I can stand on top of the podium, which, if you if you look at you know some of the greats, you got Chris point He's you know he's out here this weekend. He loves it as much as he did 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. You know when he got his world title and or world record when he was 13 years old, and he's still out there doing it and loving it arguably more than anybody else doing it. So that's that's kind of the examples I tried to look at and. You know, Nicole, she always pushed me. It's like, you've you've got to do other things besides skiing because maybe it won't always be there. So I'm always considering myself the jack of all trades master of one. So I I want to be Mm. good at, like, a ton of things. Yeah. And then, sure, I'm, you know, mastering water skiing is one of my things, but I want to, how good can I be at 20 other things? So then on any given day, if I want to go out and bike 100 miles with my buddies or if I want to go snow skiing with somebody and, you know, kind of, Climb up somewhere and go off this random slope that's over there. You know, I want to be able to do all that stuff. You know, that sounds more whole of a life than. Whereas in the past it'd be like, no, I can't do that stuff because maybe on Sunday I won't get the win.
0: Sounds like to a lot of people they they're probably listening to this and like thinking, okay, this is very very akin to like a work life balance that a lot of people are trying to strive. Hmm. And you and you've mentioned Nicole a couple of times in in the in the midst of this deal. I mean obviously she's been vitally important for you to strive between what you do on the water and what 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 pleasure you take away from that and apply that to whatever else that you that you want to achieve out of life
2: yeah yeah she um i, I was just stuck in my own head and she'd and she'll laugh about it because i would never want to do something new but she's like you're gonna really enjoy it just try it just do it. Just try it. Whether it's kiteboarding or, I don't know, you, you name the list, CrossFit or, you know, some yeah. a lot of stuff that I end up doing and really enjoying because she kind of did it first and then she kind of pulled me, you know, dra- dragged me away to do it as well. So she's, she's always had a great balance and she was always happier with it. So, you know, you kind of find these examples in your life that are doing it differently.
0: You know, as you're answering that question, that kind of that that kind of brought me back a little bit to an athlete that I'm sure that you know of, Tom Daly, uh, the, uh, the the diver, the diver who's found a little bit of a, of a diversion by actually taking
2: knitting knitting up. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: I love it. I love it. And he's in his own world, right? Like he's he's like, I don't really care what anyone thinks. This makes me happy, and I mean, could you imagine being at the Olympics with the whole country watching you? Like, I feel fortunate that um, you could say I'm like a celebrity in my own little mind. And it's a very small bubble. And I'm so thankful for that I couldn't imagine leaving here and not, not able to go to Starbucks or, you know, anywhere to get some food without a million people coming up to you. That would be a horrible existence. So for him, I imagine, you know, he's pretty famous. He's in a pretty small sport, but he's, he's kind of become some sort of a symbol. You know, he's... Mm-hmm. He took a lot of press a few years ago, and he's a pretty well-known guy, isn't he? Yeah, indeed. So, yeah. So he needs some distractions.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, at least he's pretty well-known from where we come from, which is which, which is Great Britain, yeah. and yeah, and Great Britain did pretty well the, at, at the Olympics, you know. And I'm sure all, all of them now have risen to some lo- level of fame or superstardom, you know. So, so, and I mean, and I mean, for for all the fame that you've created for yourself within water sports within 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 tournament water skiing, you know I mean you've probably already answered this question to a certain extent, but do you do you kinda wish that it that it received that it received more exposure or any, or anything like that or, or or are you kinda glad that it's that it's that its exposure isn't is creeping up a little bit but not by a huge amount?
2: Uh, uh. It'd be a double-edged sword, wouldn't it? I, I, yeah, I wish it had way more exposure. I, I really do, um, because the sport deserves it. It's, um, it's a really great sport. You know, it's really fun to do. Um, people get a lot of enjoyment out. It's healthy. You know, we're outside. I think we're very fortunate to be able to do the sport that we do, and it's a shame that you know millions of other people don't get to experience that. And that you know, it's some of the limitations in our sport and the reason it can't grow. You know, you, gotta, you know, there's many factors, cost of entry, all those kind of things, but mm-hmm. it, it, it would be nice if there were millions of other people doing it. Be, the face of the sport would be a lot different, but, you know, that's part of what makes this sport cool, too, is that it's very, we're all very accessible. We hang out here. We hang out with everybody, and, oh, yeah. you know, people kind of get that access, whereas if it was bigger, you you'd lose that.
0: Now... In this season, probably opposed to a lot of other seasons that have gone by, there are a lot more tournaments now. I mean, I mean, there's this tournament that that is that has existed for a while. There's the California program that's coming up, the Malibu Open, the Mastercraft Pro. There's a whole whole bunch. The World Championships are coming up. You know, there are there are there are opportunities now to to show off your skills and, and to compete against the world best now than there ha- than there ever have been in the past. You know. But do you think that do you think that, that there's that there's that much more room to grow for the sport in growing more events, bigger events type type deal than than what we're seeing right now, even even it, even growing since last season?
1: Um,
2: it's hard because you, you you obviously you want to grow the sport, but then sometimes I don't think you want to dilute the sport. Um, I think there's something to be said about having really focused, good events. Um. And I, I don't know the I don't know the answer to that really. I think it's great that we have more events; it's more opportunity for people. Sometimes it feels a bit diluted, like there are a lot of events all the time. Which, and I'd say the stuff that's happened now with the the water ski, you know, pro tour, pro tour, water ski pro tour. It's it's getting a bit more central. Everyone's kind of getting under the right the same umbrella, and that's going to be huge. You know, if you can, you know, you got to kind of look five, ten years down the line, and that's going to be the kind of thing that's going to grow it you know we've got to create that package and give people a reason to follow us really
0: all right then so i've got a couple more questions to you and first of which world championships coming up obviously the 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 echelon of all tournaments coming up every every couple of years you know i mean jt and their family are doing a a fantastic job uh, getting that event up and running, obviously. So a big shout out to them. Yeah. But it's been a few years now since you last won your world title. Does that does that kind of grate on you a little bit? With I mean, I mean, even going back to some of the earlier answers that you gave, so so much as what people are expecting you to do at uh, being the slant gear at your level, and they like, look at your record, and like say, last time he's won the world title was like 2009. Mm-hmm. Do, do you feel how, what I do you ca- say to Hon- that?
2: Honestly, I don't care about those people. Yeah. If that's what they got to say, I really do not care what they think because they have no idea. Um, it's kind of like I said earlier in the conversation. I'm not. I've won it twice. That's cool. You know, there's lots of people that haven't won it once. Um, sure. Would I? Would it be really cool if I got three? It'd be cool. Yeah, it'd be great. It'd Be a lot of fun. I'd enjoy it. Um, I get to put three medals on the wall instead of two. <laughs> but. At the end of the day, is it gonna make me more happy in five years, probably not. So it kinda of ends, I kinda of go back to that first question. Yeah, it gives me something to focus on. It gives me a reason to, to. I don't know. It, it gives me a reason to stick to a particular ski or make a decision. Because if I don't have the reasons to make a decision, I, I really love testing, I love trying new skis, I love trying new theories, I love trying new techniques whatever it might be and if if I don't have those those things to aim for somewhere down the line I'll just go down the rabbit hole and I'll just keep learning for the rest of my life and I'll be super happy Mm -hmm. so so really all they do you know the worlds or these tournaments this weekend it, it makes me make a decision makes me pull the trigger makes me but as far as I'm I'm more I'm more committed to happiness and having a having a whole life than you know worrying about a third world title yeah if that makes any sense
0: yeah that does make a lot of sense you know uh a lot has been made about the rivalry between you and freddie winter over the last few years who, you know?
2: who makes that rivalry
0: who i mean i mean the fact that who, I mean, who, are, the,
2: who are the people who's the names
0: I I I, I I I won't say specific specific names but i mean i it's, mean it's the, not, that so
2: i'm just saying it's not me it's so not it must be somebody so yeah who, who is it
0: maybe me, maybe maybe <laughs> maybe some uh, maybe maybe other people, you know, that that that, um, that are making a big fuss of the fact that you're British, he's British. there's kind of like a John McEnroe and the Jimmy Connors type rivalry, both from the same nation. How, Who's going to come out on top? You know?
2: How's that more healthy for anybody in the world if we have a rivalry?
0: You're onto something there. Will. I don't,
2: I don't, I. There is no rivalry that's unhealthy between Freddie and I. I would say. Unless people are trying to stir the pot, and I find that very aggravating.
0: Okay. Yeah,
2: big time. Because I'm not I'm not in it to have a rivalry with Freddie. I I love watching Freddie ski. I love watching everybody ski. Um, for me, it's a lot of fun. I love watching the unique styles. I love watching how I get to learn. I feel fortunate because I get to learn from them every weekend. You know, I get to see them ski, and that's that's the reason I'm doing it. It's like okay, well, well, he's, I mean he's got a very unique style it's like wow i wonder if i can implement some of that into mine and that might make my process a bit more enjoyable because it's all process based Mm -hmm. so i mean that's what i say to that there's no rivalry as far as i'm concerned so if there is then someone's trying to manufacture it and i'd say that's very unhealthy
0: Okay, all right then. You look at, you're looking at me for some reason. I don't know. You just well, said it might be you. It, it might be. It <laughs> might. It, it, it might. It might be. You know. But it's. Yeah. But it's a whole part of sports broadcasting, I guess. And I I, I,
2: I. I could imagine if we were a bigger sport and we were going onto news media and we were making millions of dollars, it might be a nice storyline, and we were both in on it. And you know, like WWE, but I don't think we're WWE. I think it'd be a lot better if we we're all just kind of getting along.
0: Excellent. <laughs> now. Uh, I spoken earlier with Robert Hazelwood and he and he he attributes a lot of his success uh within within slalom skiing uh to the guidance that you've given him Uh, how 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 do you feel about that
2: I paved the way for him I trained all his drivers (laughs) (laughs) coached all the family (laughs) um I think it's great yeah I think it's it's really great because I I mean before me our family you know was a very much a jumping family we had Mike and Tim and my brother and um even myself, I wanted to jump, and then slum just kind of became my thing.
0: Yeah, I remember seeing pictures of you jumping with the Union Jack j- crash yeah. helmet. Yeah,
2: the Union Jack jumpsuit. Oh, coming in hot. <laughs> oh, that was close. Um, but then, you know, slalom just kept progressing, and I enjoyed it. And I think for me, it was my way of having my own thing in the site, because no one else was really, you know, I, I, it could be my thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'd say most of my childhood was kind of like trying to make the site a better slalom site because the ramp was always perfect the boat was always strong um, and then it, now it's like a beautiful place to sell and um, yeah I, I, you know Rob said it I was a bit of a positive influence on him growing up I'd say that's that's great that's amazing I'm very
0: happy for that all right then. So before we before we leave, and before he's give your uh, acknowledgements and thanks to a whole bunch of people, which I'm sure is going to be going to be a pretty sizable list, I would imagine, May, maybe not. But we did mention Nicole. Uh, now I, I remember at the beginning of the season at Swiss, you, almost as soon as that event stopped, you and Nicole had to had to get on a long road trip to Chicago. Was it? Wasn't, like thirty eight like lake yeah not yeah. not Swiss but Lake 38 yeah. okay so what 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 was the what was the what was the reasoning behind that I think as medical yeah, school she's
2: um she's in Chicago now she started her surgery residency so she got a placement there in Chicago which is I mean you see Chicago on the news every weekend so you can mm-hmm. imagine what she's dealing with on a day-to-day in surgery <laughs> um, as far as the program she's in and education it's amazing the exposure she gets it's very sad because mm-hmm. you know you know, because she sees that every day. All the stuff that's on the news, she sees every day. You know, lots of, lots of really, really scary things. Um, but she's in her element and she's thriving, which is amazing. Very proud of her.
0: Yeah, that's a very stark perspective to have. I mean, I mean, with what you with what you do every every day, with with what you do with training, you know, I mean, pales into insignificance to what she has to deal with.
2: The, yeah, the pressure she has to do on a on a daily basis, and her, you know, she. She grew up in sports too, barefoot, and she's always been a, bit, a little bit of an adrenaline junkie. So, for her to be in that environment where the energy is super high and there's a lot on the line, she thrives in that, which is very special. It's very cool. It's very, very cool to see.
0: All right, then. So, all right, then, we'll uh, round off uh, the uh, the podcast round about here. But do you have any parting words?
2: Yeah, I'd like to say thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, and I'm, I'm just happy to be up here in the. The Northwest. Um, I love it here in Hilltop. Thank you, Gordon. Hey, Joe, for putting this on. I think we're going to have a great weekend.
0: Excellent stuff. Well, that was Rural Washer. My name is Tony Leifert. This is the TWBC Podcast, and until uh, next time, it is ciao for now.
1: Thank you for listening to the TWBC Podcast. Be sure to check out our website at waterskibroadcasting.com